0: You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children.
1: Hello, this is the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley,
0: and I'm Indy Kearney. Welcome to episode ten.
1: Ooh, yeah, episode ten. Episode like ten, it.
0: yeah. Lots of lots of accomplishments since then, and we've come a long way, learned a lot.
1: Yeah, we have, and uh, you know, I was also thinking when you said that, we we learned a lot just the other day when we were uh, playing with our 3D printer for the first time.
0: Yeah, that was fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the 3D printer at Grant Wood we've had for a couple of years, but Mindy and I... You've
0: had it for a couple of years, and that's the first time you've played with it?
1: Yeah, that's the first time I've played with it. I haven't really had any cause or or need to play with it or or felt like i should play with it but um jason marshall who is also on our team does a lot of the 3d printing stuff i think amber does as well and i guess the other day we just felt like we should learn how to do this
0: yeah yeah well and you made me a present so that was fun
1: well we had to make something so (laughs) that made sense yeah what did i make you
0: you made me a little um I don't know, like a nameplate, I guess, that says Seesaw Ambassador. And then in parentheses underneath that, it says Self-Proclaimed. So the 3D printing, though, what did I didn't you were the one that like used the app and stuff. What app did you use?
1: Um, I think we used the, the MakerBot Print Shop app on the iPad to make that up. And it was actually a lot easier to make something than I thought it was. So very simple, very straightforward. It's a free app. And if you have MakerBot printers, you should uh, start with that one. It's a good one.
0: Yeah, because you just like type the words in, right? And then you could just resize it and mess with it a little bit that way. But otherwise, it was pretty simplistic.
1: Yeah, they have some like preset um, things that you can do. So one was text and you can make a a vase, you can make a medals, you can make different things like that. And it gives you like a template to start with so yeah all i did was type in the seesaw ambassador parentheses self-proclaimed uh adjust the height and the you know the the width of it a little bit and and that was it we saved it to the cloud account on the the makerbot account and connected our computer to the printer sent it over and it printed without a hitch which was a surprise to both of us i think
0: yeah. Cause, um, it even stopped for like a minute. You like left for lunch or something. And I, it like stopped and I'm like, Oh no. Cause sometimes that happens where it yeah. like gets off and it doesn't work anymore. And, um, the, um, is it filament? Is that what you call it? Is it filament? Yeah.
1: Filament. Yeah, yeah. So
0: the filament kind of was like dripping just a little bit. And I'm like, Oh, this is totally toast. And like you walked in the door. The god that you are, apparently, like walked in the door and it just like started up again and (laughs) off it went.
1: (laughs) I'm sure that was just coincidental, but it did make me think that, you know, we can graduate now that we've done our first one. We can move on to uh, 3D printed duck feet.
0: Yes, that's a great idea. We'll keep our eyes out for something else to print. So should we get started on our top five?
1: Let's get started on our top five. Our top five this week is controversially going to be part one of two um, so it's kind of a top 10 maybe but we can kind of split it in two made it two top fives just to keep with the format of the show and we're going to look at five blogs that we like within the ed tech or education ecosphere mm-hmm. and why don't you pick one to start with Mindy?
0: Um, I will start with actually I'm going to start with I didn't realize this was the name of it, but um, MindShift K-Q-E-D. And um, I follow this blog. Actually, I just liked them on Facebook. And um, so I get their blog posts pretty consistently. And what I like about MindShift is that it's not always ed tech, so it's definitely more of an education blog. But it's really more about... Um, like education topics and things to be thinking about. So a lot of times they do talk about Minecraft. So that's one of the reasons I started following it. They do have a lot of blog posts about Minecraft, but just different things to think about. Um, one of the ones I just read that actually I shared on my Facebook page myself was um, how parents can help students think creatively about math you know, just different topics that I don't think get discussed very often, but are really interesting and um, kind of make you think differently about things. So that's what I really like about uh, MindShift.
1: I think they've got a real good variety uh, of different topics that they talk about. And yeah, like you said, it's things that make you go, hmm. So lots of forward thinking kind of uh, articles about education and the way education should be. So yeah, you know, I've,
0: that's a they- song, right?
1: Things That Make Me Go, hmm?
0: Yeah. Do you know that's a song?
1: I did not know that's a song. Who sings that song?
0: Um, Things That Make You Go, hmm. You know what? I will, I don't know. I don't know who it is, but I'll look it up. It's from the 90s, I think. Maybe the 80s. I'm going to look it up. When you said it, I thought I was going to break into song. I thought he doesn't even know that's a song, I bet. It's I really song.
1: did not know that was a song. Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, keep going. You choose one. Sorry.
1: Yeah, something else that's not a song is uh, Edutopia. Edutopia is a really um, awesome website. It's one that I find a lot of interesting things on there. They do a, a good mix of articles. Some of them are education based. Some of them are ed tech based. Some are some of them are just great articles for educators to to read and, and get some ideas from. I saw a really interesting one the other day called flexible seating in student-centered classrooms and I was just talking about learning spaces and the different ways that people can um, arrange their classrooms now different ways that you can think about seating options for students or you know just making you think about not all students necessarily are going to want to be in the same type of seat all the time so it's from the George Lucas Educational Foundation. It is a really awesome website. Is that one you've looked at at all, Mindy?
0: Yeah, I, um, yeah I've looked at Edutopia a lot. And um, I don't know that I necessarily like follow the blog. But if I'm looking for something, it's always a go-to. So I don't look at it religiously. and um, But it is definitely a good place for resources if I'm looking for something on a specific topic. Um, I would say my next one would be Free Tech for Teachers, which is um, Richard Byrne's, um blog. And it's just got, I mean, a gazillion different things to look at. But what I like about it is that I know it's up to date always because he's constantly um, sharing things on his blog. Sometimes when I go and look at blogs, I'm like, oh, when was the last time they posted? That's one of the things I always look at. Like, how current is this? Um, but he always has lots of little, like, tech tips um, and tutorials and things like that, that it's just a really useful site.
1: Yeah. Richard has been doing that site for a long time now. I remember, I remember reading that site many years ago when I was teaching in the classroom. So it is, I I don't know how he manages to keep up and manages to post every single day. I get, I subscribe to his blog in email and I get an email from Richard Byrne every single day. So that that in itself is kind of incredible that he's able to churn out content that is good and relevant to teachers on a regular basis like that.
0: Isn't that kind of his job, though? I mean, isn't that what he's doing now is just like sharing his knowledge? It's not like he's actually in the classroom, too, though, is he?
1: No, he's not in the classroom anymore, but right, um, right. he does more than just that blog. He'd probably say it's one of his jobs, but uh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, for sure. I'm going to throw in uh, number four here, which is Teach Thought, which is a really awesome website too. They are similar in some ways, I think, to KQED in terms of they're really pushing the envelope with different educational trends and ideas that are going around there. You will find all sorts of different articles that can help you grow as a teacher. Uh, They have things, um, I'm looking at their categories here, critical thinking, learning, teaching, and the future of learning. So you'll get EdTech articles as well as educational articles. They are just pedagogical strategies, all kinds of great stuff on there. And I believe, Mindy, they also have a podcast. Is that right?
0: Yeah, they do. Um, I have it on my um, podcast list. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but they've got a gazillion episodes. And you know, I always like to start at the beginning. Um, with that one, I feel like I'm going to have to hop in. I'm never going to catch up, but, um, it's definitely on my list of podcasts to listen to.
1: Teachthought.com forward slash podcast. They were episode 45 right now. So they are 35 ahead of us. Mindy, you've got some catching <laughs> up to do to if you want to start at the beginning. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. Mm. right. And I think the last one we have to mention is our own blog, right? The Grant Wood digital learning team, um, has a blog that we post to hopefully every week. And kind of sharing some of our experiences. Sometimes there's tech tips. Sometimes it's more about um, instructional strategies and um, conferences we go to and uh, just trying to share our knowledge as much as we can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we like to share in as many ways as we can. This podcast is one of the ways that we try and share the things that we do and the things that we're learning And the blog is another way. We also share on social media and with the teachers we work with face-to-face. So, yeah, it's just another medium that we have. And, yes, it would be remiss not to talk about top blogs without mentioning our (laughs) top blog.
0: Shameless plug.
1: Shameless plug.
0: Shameless plug. Right, so on to our main course today, served to you piping hot, is a virtual presence. And Jonathan and I just recently presented together um, at our Building Bridges conference, which is about assistive technology. And him and I can, had kind of been thinking about um, what about those students who don't get to come to the classroom and what kind of environment could we create for them so that they feel like they're more part of the classroom. And we just thought some of the things that we kind of discovered and talked about might be great things to kind of share today.
1: Yeah, so this is um, a great opportunity, I think, to, to share some of that learning because there's, there's a lot of really fun stuff, I think, in, in what we were showing people. Should we just jump in and start with the first thing we talked about?
0: Yeah, sure, sure.
1: So we talked about something called the double telepresence robot because we have one of these at Grant A Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever seen one of these before, but you've maybe seen the episode of the Big Bang where Sheldon is yeah, right. walking or well not walking around where Sheldon is transporting himself around. On the face of an iPad, and the iPad is attached to a long pole, which is attached to two wheels at the bottom, and that's a double telepresence robot. And it could be an option for uh, schools who are looking to have students join the classroom if they are not able to get to school for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, and you, um, you know, the student could then remotely. Um, move the double around. And maybe instead of just feeling like they're in a stable position where they just kind of have to watch, you know, they can control the double and drive it around the classroom. Um, I had read this story about a, a little girl who had gotten cancer. And so she wasn't able to come to school because of her treatments. And um, she was really kind of starting to shut down because she had missed her friends. And um so... They the family received a donation for this double and she was able then to kind of be in the classroom and able to go out for recess with her friends. And um, they were, they kind of joked about her playing tag and how she wasn't very fast and um, was able to really kind of build some of those relationships with students that, you know, if she was just getting her homework sent home every night or had a private tutor, she'd never be able to build those relationships. And so the double really kind of was her presence in the classroom, not only for her, but for the other students as well.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a remarkable piece of technology. It's like self-leveling. The person who is facing the double robot can talk to it and the the sound will go both ways back and forward kind of like a video conference which is really kind of cool they're not cheap though they're about three uh, thousand right. dollars for the charging stand and for the double itself but um and that does not
0: include the ipad
1: and that does not include the ipad yeah but right. i think there's a yeah. lot of uh, occasions where this could be you know just a, a different way to experience a classroom for for those kids that really need it yeah. Mindy, um, I feel like we should also tell people our little uh, adventure we had with the double. <laughs> do you remember?
0: I do when, remember.
1: When we were driving it around and practicing and you decided to take it on a little field trip.
0: I did. I'm a very good driver, by the way. Are you going to mention how great I was at driving that thing?
1: You were excellent at driving that thing. Yeah. I was. Gonna... After
0: I got the hang of it. I did knock it over once. But yeah. Then they said, you know... I got set back up again by someone who was passing by, which was nice.
1: They're very durable, though, aren't they?
0: They are, yeah. Actually, I was really worried. You know, you see that thing go over, you're like, oh, no, that's $3,000. I just buckled to the floor, but um, popped back up, and off she went.
1: You managed to drive it all the way into Stacy's office.
0: I did and surprised her. She didn't hear me coming even. And then we watched her work for a little bit, which was kind of (laughs) creepy because she didn't hear us. And so (laughs) we're just like – but our sound, we didn't realize that the volume was turned way down on the iPad, so Jonathan and I are laughing hysterically, thinking it's the funniest thing, but she can't hear us laughing at her even. And so finally I ran it into her desk and she looked up and was scared. <laughs> like, she oh, did get my, quite the us. fright, I think. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry, so, Stacey. Non-educational use for the double is to scare your friends. Super fun. Correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so what else did we do?
0: Um well We felt like the double was pretty expensive and might not be something that um, schools could afford. So we started thinking about, well, what are some other things that teachers and students could do, you know, hopefully to get, um, you know, get that same relationship bond. And so we started looking at some of our other video conferencing um, tools and we talked about Skype, which is great because... You don't actually have to have a Skype account anymore. Have we shared this already? I don't know if we've shared this during one of the podcasts, but you don't have to have an account for Skype. You can just share the link.
1: I feel like it was one of my tech nuggets on like episode one or two or something way back. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so that's kind of nice because it's for all devices because you can, you know, just share the link. Um, and Zoom is like that too. So, um, we use Zoom here at the agency. Um, and I don't know if that's one that people use a lot or not. Um, I hadn't heard of it until I started working here. So um, those two work great for any device.
1: And if you're a school that uses uh, Apple devices, FaceTime is a, is a great option for connecting. So if your students are one-to-one with iPads or Macs or anything like that, that would be a, a great option to have because uh, you've already got the devices and the technology and the software already built in. Google Hangouts is a good option for Google-based schools as well. And like Skype, Google Hangouts, actually, you can join with a Google account now. You can just join with a link. So that's a, a, a great option to to have on there too.
0: Yeah, how new is that feature? Is it fairly new?
1: I don't exactly know how new it was, but somebody told yeah. me recently at the Iowa uh-huh. 1-to-1 conference and I was like, huh, I didn't know that. And
0: I didn't know that either. That was new to me for sure. But the great thing about these, um, video conferencing tools is that, you know, it allows two or more locations. So it doesn't just have to be two people. Well, FaceTime has to be, can only be two people, right? I don't think you can FaceTime with more than two people. Right?
1: I have no idea, Mindy.
0: I don't think you can. But with the, with, yeah, maybe we should try it sometime and see. Um, but with Skype and Google Hangouts and Zoom, all three of those can be more than two people or two locations. Um, sharing in a conversation, video and audio together. Um, so, yeah, another another way to kind of get that same double sort of opportunity or experience, but without the expense of the $3,000. You're just not mobile.
1: Yeah, and the only real problem that we uh, encounter when using video conferencing to bring students into the classroom is usually in terms of the audio if the teacher is is mobile and walking around the classroom and talking to different students, it can be hard for the computer at the front of the room with the camera on it to pick up their voice levels. So one of the uh, options we came across that would help with that and with a number of other things was this thing called the swivel. And you're kind of a fan of the swivel, Mindy, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I am a huge fan of the swivel. I think the swivel is awesome. So, um, the cool thing about the swivel is that it comes like with this little robotic holder where you put your mobile device on top of the robotic holder. And then it also has a, um, marker that that's what they call it as a marker. Um, but it's like a, like a remote kind of what you say, like a, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, when they call it a like marker, a it's not a very good describer, but. Um, and then you wear that on a lanyard around your neck. And so what happens is the robotic holder for your um, device follows you as you move. It tracks the marker that's around your neck. And the nice thing about the marker, too, is that it also has a microphone. So the microphone um, also, re- you know, helps with the audio because sometimes the audio can be terrible. Um, and you, especially for students who are trying to listen to you, but there's lots of background noise going on in a classroom, too.
1: Yeah, it's basically a, a Bluetooth microphone that you have around your neck. And because it's right up here next to, to where you're talking, that it picks up all the audio and conversations that you have if you're walking at different parts of the room or, or teaching from a, from a distance.
0: Right, so if you run um, another video conferencing app, on top of using the swivel, the students then can still hear your voice And it tracks you instead of them being stationary, then at least their view of you um, remains the same as you might move around the classroom. And even if they're in small groups or something like that, you know, you could have um, set them with a swivel in a small group and they could still engage in a conversation too.
1: Yeah, it's a really neat device. They start, I believe, at $399.
0: Yeah, and they just came out with a new, didn't they just come out with a newer version that's closer to $500, I think.
1: I haven't seen it yet, but I'm not doubting that it exists because yeah. if anyone would have got the email, it would have been you, I think. Yeah,
0: maybe. Um, I don't think we mentioned, though, that you can record it too. So it's also great for um, a little bit of flip to learning even. So if you're looking for just something different um, outside the virtual presence that we're kind of talking about right now, that you could use it to record your lessons. And um, you can just – it's got like an iCloud account and stuff like that too that you can use Um so yeah, that's a really cool tool. Kind of, you know, a little bit pricey too, but um, lots of uses for it for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of a nice segue into the, the next one when you're talking about recording your lessons because we also showed some screencasting tools as part of this presentation, a way to record yourself demonstrating something on your device. So we had different options for different devices. We looked at things like Snagit for Chrome, Screencastify, um, those are great for Mac, PC or Chromebooks. Uh, Screencast-o-matic is a really nice one for Mac and PC. Jing works on Mac and PC. Mindy's favorite, QuickTime, works on the Mac. And we looked at some uh, iPad screencasting ones, basically the kind of whiteboard type of options. Just some really nice options for creating a lesson that you could share, not necessarily just with one student, but with all your students if you wanted and have that virtual classroom presence online in a video.
0: Yeah. um, Which one of those is your favorite?
1: You know, of all the ones that I I listed on there, I, I, I don't like to play favorites. When I go to do a screencast, I'm going to admit that the one I normally use is Camtasia. And oh, yeah. Not, not everybody one has on Camtasia, that though. That one's kind yeah. of tough. Yeah. If I didn't have Camtasia, I'd probably use Screencast-O-Matic because yeah. it's pretty um, nice. It does a nice job at what it does and lets you record, I think, up to 15 minutes for free. So, yeah, lots of good sharing options with it, too. I like Screencast-O-Matic.
0: Yeah. Didn't, we, didn't you just um, send me something about a new one that Richard Byrne had put out? What was that one called? Um Nimbus, right?
1: Nimbus screenshot and screencast, yes. Yeah, Nimbus. and I haven't
0: checked that one out yet, but it's a Chrome extension. Is it just a Chrome extension or is there more to it somewhere?
1: It's a Chrome extension.
0: Yeah. So I'm gonna try that one out too. I like I think that one has like some tools and stuff, like highlighters and stuff like that that I um that I'd like to try out. So add that one to our list too.
1: It's a nice one. I I only tried it very quickly with one short screencast, but Good quality, very easy controls. So, yeah, if you haven't checked out Nimbus Screencast and Screenshot, uh, you certainly should. I almost made it my tech nugget for today, Mindy, but uh, oh, you did! I went with something else. so
0: Oh, right. right. Well, I'm glad we still still got it out there then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, screencasting is kind of nice, especially for those kids that um you know, might not be able to be engaged in a lesson at the time that it's actually going on um, or even for a teacher to be able to give instructions. And I think we've talked a little bit about screencasting previously. All right. So one of the other things we were kind of thinking about was ways to get students engaged in conversation um, and either with the teacher or with other students. And so we kind of start talking about back channel chats.
1: Yeah, and we looked at a couple of tools, or we had a couple of tools on there. One I'm more familiar with than the other, but we looked at today's Meet and Chatsey. Um com is one that's been around for a long time now, but it's a great way to create like a virtual room where you can have a conversation uh with the students, or it could just be a virtual room just for those students that couldn't make it to your classroom for whatever reason on that day. And the rooms themselves you can uh, have open for an hour, two hours, eight hours, a day, a week, or a month. So you can have it just as a very restricted short conversation if you want. Or if you want to keep it open for a longer period of time, that's something you can do too. You just pick a name for your room and you get a very nice easy um, URL to share with students. And everybody just joins in, puts their name in. And can share their thoughts inside this uh, back channel tool.
0: Yeah, and another one that I shared um, that day because I believe strongly in trying to use as many free tools as possible is ChatZ. And that's um, Chat ZY. Um, and the reason I kind of like this one is because it's pretty simplistic. Um, if you remember way back in the day, like this was when I was in high school, but when chat rooms first kind of, you know, Popped up on the internet. It was very it's very much like that where it's just a conversation and you put your name in and it just goes back and forth between people. Um, what's nice about it is that it has a URL that you can share, but you can also share it directly through Chatsy as an email, which is kind of nice too so you can invite who you'd like to um, be part of that conversation. And I always really liked backchannel chats in my classroom because it was a great way for kids to communicate with me and with one another without having to raise their hand um, to wait, you know, their turn to talk. Um, and also because, um, I had students who sometimes weren't very comfortable raising their hand or sharing in front of the whole class, but they could still share their ideas with the class without actually having to speak out. And it's always nice for them, I think, to read what's, you know, the train of thought of some other students to help them gather their thoughts. So, um, I always thought this was really great for any classroom, um, just, you know, at any time to be used. So,
1: Yeah, so you and I were both elementary teachers and the the point I'm going to raise here is probably not something that we encountered too much because we taught elementary kids, but, you know, there is the possibility that kids would use this semi-anonymous chat site to uh, throw in comments that were less than appropriate. So, I don't know, any tips or ideas on that, Mindy?
0: Um, I one of the things that i always did is that either i kept it open only during the school day um so right. i set it up so that it closed down you know after my school day was over um i did use it when i was using edmodo i'd put a link in and the kids would share on it during the week um i would just say that if you're having kids do that you have to be on it yourself and let the let your presence be known that you're on it and you're checking it So, um, I would often reply back during the nighttime hours and say, oh yeah, that's great. And make sure the kids under, you know, saw me um, using it as well or mentioning it the next day, like, Hey, I saw last night you did this. And, you know, so that, that's something I can, you know, and, and it's not like you can just search and find those links either. So it's not like outsiders are coming in. It's mostly just your students that you have to worry about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm looking at the Today's Meet one now, and you can use it without an account. That That's free and everything you can get in there. But if you create an account, one of the things you can do is moderate the content. So it says you can keep rooms focused by getting rid of all off-topic or inappropriate messages. So Yeah, as and you the, can
0: silence students, I think, can't you?
1: Yeah, I think so. So Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a nice option to have. And If you do have any students that, that stray from uh, what's acceptable yeah. in your classroom and what's not.
0: Yeah. Take a little time out.
1: Yeah, there you go. Okay, so completely different in in some ways, but related in other ways, is the next thing that we looked at, which was virtual field trips and the ability this time to give your students an insight into the world outside of their classroom. And there's a number of uh, great services that will help you uh, get engaged in virtual field trips. Uh, Things like Skype Education, they have uh, Skype virtual field trips and Discovery Ed also have some great virtual field trips too. And these are things that you can really introduce your whole class to. And we're talking about this virtual classroom or this virtual presence here. You can send your students to other parts of the world with the magic of video conferencing like we talked about earlier.
0: Yeah, I um, what I really think is great about virtual field trips is that it gives students the opportunity to see things that they wouldn't normally see um, and also, um, you know, talking with experts that they wouldn't normally come across. And so I was looking at the Skype virtual field trips a little bit um, and I what I think is neat is that you can go through and, find, you know, search by grade level, you can search by topic, um, and then they give you a little calendar that you can choose from, you know, when those people are available. And I looked a little bit at, um, how you host, how you can become a host, and they request that you're available two times a week. So to me, that just says that those people are available a lot. Um, there's a good opportunity for you that, that you are going to connect with someone, um, on a virtual field trip that you really think is important that your students, um, be involved in.
1: Yeah, there's there's a great video that Skype put together and we can share it in the show notes, but it's about um some classes that connected with I think he's like a marine biologist and he's in an underwater lab and he does his Skype virtual field trip from there and the kid the questions the kids are were asking was, was really were really intelligent and insightful. They were asking things like, How come uh the water that you can dive into and and go out into is is not like flooding your your whole lab and you know asking them different things like like that and you can see in the background there's like fish in the window behind him and sharks going by and all kinds of great stuff like that so i mean there's 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 no way you would ever be able to connect and be able to interact with somebody like that in that environment in quite the same way so that was one of the uh skype virtual field trips that you can definitely take a look at
0: yeah, and I've seen that video and the, the looks on the kids' faces are just priceless. I mean, you can just see the awe and wonder of it all. It was it's, – oh, it's the sweetest thing. I love it. But we talked then a little bit about, well, 360-degree video is the coolest thing right now. And what if we could create or view other things that are not just like on a YouTube video or whatever or even a Skype field trip – but it was 360 degree video. What do you got?
1: Yeah. yeah, so you're talking like like the Google Cardboard viewers and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the Google Cardboard is really very simple um, piece of technology. I wouldn't even I don't know if I'd say technology. It's basically just folded piece of cardboard with two lenses in it and
0: Hey, that's technology. Anything that helps you do something better is technology.
1: Yeah, thank you, Julie King. You're welcome. It was just like, um, it's like a pair of binoculars that you, you hold up to your to your eyes, and you put your smartphone in the back of this Google Cardboard Viewer, and there's a number of apps you can use that will take you on a virtual tour of different places. So we looked at... Um,
0: Discovery VR.
1: Yeah, Discovery VR. They yeah. have a lot of their um, TV shows that they've taken like clips out of, some of their educational shows, and then mm-hmm. you can watch the show in it's almost like an imax type of environment if you've been to an imax movie yeah where it's just everywhere all around you you can just follow the action and look anywhere up down left right and and see what's going on at that time
0: yeah and and i don't know if you mentioned too just google cardboard itself has an app called the google cardboard viewer right is that the name of the app
1: yeah it's just google cardboard just google cardboard Uh, yeah Yeah. yeah
0: um, and then also this last Christmas, we came across a uh, Viewmaster that you can put your smartphone in.
1: That was kind of um, fun. I yeah. almost think it, it's like the Google Cardboard, but it's a little bit more immersive because I think like the fit is a bit better and yeah. it blocks out more light and stuff like that. But you can use Google Cardboard apps in that, but they also have their own dedicated apps as well.
0: Well, you know what I love about the Viewmaster, right?
1: Tell us what you love about the ViewMaster, Mindy.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so Google Cardboard, right? If everybody is sharing that Google Cardboard, you can't really like wipe it down, like you can't <laughs> clean it. And like okay. if you look at the Google, like there's, it's just it, you can't wipe it down, right? So the ViewMaster though is like this hard plastic. It's like the old school ViewMaster, and so yeah. you can you can Clorox that. I mean, you can wipe that puppy down, get the get the germs off.
1: You know, it was kind of funny. We were talking to uh, one of the coaches at, at Linmar School District, and they said they have some Google Cardboards, and uh, they put like a, a sheet of Post-it notes inside the cardboard. Did you hear that? Right. Yeah, and I did so hear that, that when the kids are like holding it up and moving it around, and they've, they've looked at it, then you just peel off the Post-it note, and then the next kid is like a little refresh and clean yeah. again. or yeah. it's a little again.
0: greasy. The other thing I saw too is that uh, people duct tape them. So, you duct tape the whole thing, um at least the front part of it, you know, so you could wipe that part down, I
1: okay, I like that, yeah, and my one of my tech nuggets for the other shows was the uh the virtual presentation app. do you remember that? that yeah, was I do remember that too. so yeah, yeah we that's just a, talked about that
0: just yeah, that was one of our later episodes, yeah, yeah, but um viewmaster itself, did you mention that has their own apps too
1: mentioned them didn't talk about what they were, so. Do you um, want to talk uh, about any of those? there's like a
0: solar system one, is that right, and like an Egyptian one maybe I don't know if I could talk too much about what what ones there are, but it works the same way as discovery v r although discovery v r is a pretty it's a pretty hefty app. Would't you agree like you need some you need some serious memory?
1: Some of these cardboard apps are on the large side, but um, yeah the can kind of, the thing that amuses me about the viewmaster is. You know, Mindy and I as kids and probably some of you as well remember the Viewmasters that you put the disk in and then you pulled the button and it went and rotated around to the next picture and so forth. Even the the new virtual reality Viewmasters come with like a a little disk. But it's more like a a QR type of deal where you point your device at it and it recognizes the disks associated with a certain tour and then it takes you off on that thing. So that was kind of fun too.
0: Yeah, ViewMaster really uh, really impressed impressed me this last winter. That was pretty cool. But we also have been talking a little bit about making our own 360 degree video.
1: Yes, we have because, We've been really into that lately. Yeah. Yeah, we got one of those uh, 360 degree cameras. It's the the Ricoh Theta S camera, which is a really I think
0: it's Ricoh Theta.
1: Theta? Really? I think it's Theta. Okay, the the Ricoh camera is really very awesome. And it's got two lenses on it. A normal camera would just have one lens, but it's about the size of...
0: Like a remote control.
1: It's about the size of a remote control. Yeah. And on each side, there is a lens. So there's one in the front and one on the back. And the one in the front is like, I think it's a 190 degree spherical lens. So it captures Mm -hmm. like a semi-spherical image on one side. And then on the other side, it does exactly the same. And the software stitches it together to make like a full 360 degree experience. So it shoots pictures and videos. Mm -hmm. And we've had some fun with that.
0: Yeah, it's so fun. It's so fun. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's so simple too. Like, it's just like, I mean, it's just a click. It, to me, it seems like it should be, cause it used to be, you know, if you wanted a 360 degree, what you had to do is just like take lots of pictures and go around in a circle, you know, and yeah, it's just and
1: stitch them all together in some software later yeah, or oh, something. Yeah. And,
0: and then you still didn't get the above and, you know, the ground too. You didn't get this guy in the ground then, but yeah. Yeah. It's so simple. And there's a lot of
1: these videos that are online now, like YouTube and Facebook support 360 degree videos so that, you know, even if you aren't taking them yourselves, you can experience some of these. There's a whole bunch of fun ones like roller coasters. And Mm -hmm. I keep talking about the one with the the Blue Angels uh, formation flying team. And it just gives you a completely different perspective on things. If you view any of these videos on a mobile device using the YouTube app or the Facebook app, you can literally like move your phone or your iPad or your tablet around in the air. And because it's got that built in gyroscope, you can physically move around different parts of the scene. So you know, it's kind of a, an amazing experience, I think. And it's just ripe for somebody really to take advantage of it in the education sphere. And I'm looking forward to see what people do with that.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know how I like free stuff. So then we started, we found the um, bubbly app which is for iOS de- devices only, which is kind of a bummer. But so you can, with your phone, make it, um, make 360-degree video. Oh, I did make it with my phone, yes. But um, you can do it with the iPad too. Um, but so, and it was really, it was, I mean, it takes a little bit of a knack because it's kind of like um, painting a wall. So you turn the app on and you record and you just very slowly um, kind of, run it down and then over your head and it shows up kind of like it's painting a white canvas with the picture that's around you. Does that make sense? I don't know how else to describe it. Do you have a better way?
1: No, I think that's about the best way I could think of describing it. I mean, it's definitely a slower experience. If you have those 360 degree cameras, you press a button, click, it's done. With the bubbly app, you have to like move your arms up and down like you're virtually painting the wall onto your device and it records all that stitches it together and gives you like a 360 degree image Mm -hmm. so it's images only not video but right I think um, I said
0: video you're right it's image
1: yeah but it's it's a it's a great it's a great app for for free I saw recently that uh, Thinglink were experimenting with VR stuff too. I think we talked about mm-hmm. that briefly on another episode too. But
0: yeah, we did. I signed up for the beta testing, but I got an email back from them um, wanting to know how we would be using it, and I said in education. I haven't heard anything back, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, they have an app out right now. I think it's four ninety nine, where they have some built in um, VR type experiences that you can try, and it works in Google Cardboard and the Viewmaster and things like that, but it doesn't give you the ability to create any of these tours or adventures. These are just ones that are already built into the app. So Mm -hmm. hopefully we'll see more from ThingLink on that front in the near future.
0: Yeah, but we did find round.me, which allows you to put interactive um, hotspots into your image. Yes, we did. And we played with that, and that worked pretty well. I don't remember the things you could put in it, though, right? Like you can put... Um, a link in right and you can add pictures in there?
1: you can add a link you can add yeah. text i believe you can even put some kind of background audio on there too oh yeah yeah right so if you, you upload your your image onto there and then you can have background audio because i think that's that's maybe one of those things that will help take this to the next level that yeah. you're not just scanning around a scene you've got audio coming through your ears at the same time that you would hear if you were actually in that place and it helps add to that immersive experience on there. So that would be really cool.
0: Yeah, it was just like a point and click too, right? It was pretty easy. And then I think you can even embed that image like in a website.
1: Yes, you can. Yep, you yeah. can uh, embed it in different places, link to it. And uh, the Ricoh, uh site also has the ability to do that if you send your images there too. Mm-hmm. So lots of exciting and fun things going on with uh, virtual presence and virtual classrooms. We will put links to all of those different resources in our show notes for this episode.
0: All right. So that brings us to the end of our show. My favorite part, tech nuggets. And I'm going first today.
1: Go for it, Mindy. I look forward to hearing what you've got to share with us.
0: Okay, well, this is actually something you and I both did. We um, got a new toy in the mail uh, the other day. Yeah, I know where
1: you're going with this.
0: (laughs) So um, Jonathan and I were doing some work, and I said, oh, I need a break. I need a brain break. So we got out this thing called Black Souls. And I think actually it's called Black Souls Builder maybe is the actually correct name. Um, But if you haven't taken a look at this, it's kind of interesting. So it gives you this like, um, board that has all these little squares in it. And then it also comes with all these little different colored cubes. And what you do is you take the colored cubes and you create a video game scene by putting those colored cubes in different spots on the big square frame. After you've kind of created it. So like when I did it, I was thinking like um, Super Mario Brothers in my head. So I just did like these different things that you could hop from. Um, and then each color means something different. So some of them are coins and some of them are like, I think there was like a power up and some of them are enemies. So you can kind of put those different colors in different places. And then with the Black Souls app, you take a picture of your frame that you've created and then it digitizes it and then you choose your character and then you can play the game that you've created how did i do describing that
1: yeah you did pretty well i mean i think of that board and i'm looking at it again now on the website Oh, you are yeah it, it reminds me a bit of like uh the old school battleships kind of boards yeah. where you would like yeah, put yeah. Your pins in and things like that it looks like that kind of deal it's it's an it's an interesting combination of the physical media and the digital right. media together so it's it's kind of a kinesthetic type activity and then you scan it into the app and you take that element incorporate that into your game so
0: yeah and it could be really intense we decided like it took us a while to figure out how it worked we don't read directions really though so i mean we just kind of jump in and start playing but it could be really intense, so if you had a somebody who or a child who was really into it, it could really became become something special because they could build each scene to a game and i mean infinite i mean there are i don't know if it's infinite number of scenes, but you could put quite a few in there
1: you know this this could be an option for for that kind of thing. you can create a game and you can share it with the world if you want, and other people can play it so it's it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, it was kind of fun. It, was, it definitely challenged us for half an hour while we messed around with it, for sure. Yeah, it kept so, yeah. us going for that day. Yeah, check it out.
1: All right, so my tech nugget is, I don't think this is a necessarily uh, a new app that's out there, but it's one that I only came across recently. I heard about it from Sue Gorman on Twitter. Oh, and yeah, she's a good it, one. She is a great one to follow on Twitter, especially if you're into Apple products um, but it's called Superimpose, and I think it's available for iPad and iPhone, but I have it on the iPad for sure. It's an app that lets you put one picture on top of another picture and remove the background on one of them. So if you can imagine a background picture and then a foreground picture, maybe you've got um, yourself in a, in a room somewhere, it takes out the room And just put yourself, so that you could put yourself sitting, instead of sitting on a chair in an office, you could be sitting on a chair in the moon. So you can just erase the background out of yourself, kind of like like in a green screen type of effect. So is this getting rid
0: of green screen?
1: But without the green screen, Yeah. yeah. So... You can do stuff like this in Photoshop, and you can merge and put things together, but it's kind of complicated, and not everybody has access to Photoshop, but it's got a whole set of what are called masking tools that will let you mask... Out parts of the image that you do not want to have, so you can mask out the background. You can just take the head of one thing and put the head on a different body, or oh, different things like that. Nice. So you can you can imagine the fun you could have with uh, <laughs> with that, Mindy. Um, it's only ninety nine cents, I believe, Ooh. from the yes. App Store. So it's it's worth a look. It's lets you do some very creative, fun, and interesting things. It's called Superimpose.
0: Yeah, I want to take a look at that one for sure. I'm
1: looking here so, at like, some of the options. You can you can blur the background. You can add a drop shadow. You can add text. It takes a little bit of practice to get used to how these things work. But they even have simple things like a magic wand. That, you know how you always get these clip art pictures that have got like a white background? Well, you can take the magic wand and click up click on the white and all the white uh-huh. disappears. So,
0: Ooh, I'm going to have to take a look at that for sure.
1: You should, yeah. Some, I will. Some graphic design work on there uh, at your fingertips on the iPad.
0: So can you save it to your camera roll? Did you say that already?
1: Yeah, you can save it to your camera roll and share it out wherever you want to it.
0: Awesome. Mm, Okay, thanks.
1: All right, so it takes us to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe in a podcast player of your choice and leave us a review on iTunes. We love doing this podcast, but we want to make this as relevant as we can for you, the listeners of the show, so we appreciate any feedback, suggestions, or ideas that you have for us. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. I am at Jonathan Wiley. And Mindy, you are?
0: At Team Kearney.
1: You can also use the hashtag EdTechTO to tag the show, and we will keep an eye on that. You can also send us an email to podcast at gwaa.org. So, until next time.
0: This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.